Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Everybody, welcome back into another edition of the List Podcast, brought to you by the Man Salon and Reliabank. I am Jeff Turn, and our guest today is someone that I have had many conversations with about sports. Usually it has to do with what's going on in the present, but we're going to go back in time in Minnesota sports history and have some fun with our favorite comedies of all time. I know both of us like to laugh. So Darren Wolfson joins us on the list podcast again, brought to you by the Mansalon and Reliant Bank from KSTP up in the Twin Cities, score North contributor, a man that knows plenty about Minnesota sports. Welcome in, Darren. How are you doing today, bud? I'm doing well, Jeff. Thank you for that lengthy introduction, that overrating me introduction, but I'll happily take it. Hey, man, uh, I, I hope that my list isn't overrated because I have some fun <laughs> ones on here. And since you're the guy that resides in Minnesota, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, 10 through 6, then we'll go 5 through 1. And what we are ranking are the top 10 Minnesota sports moments of all time. Hit us with 10, 10 through 6 and tell us why you have them on the list. Absolutely. Heck, Jeff, I'm tempted after last night to go with the Vikings draft Jordan Addison because I love the pick. <laughs> But that might be for a future conversation. All right, number 10, the Minnesota Wild in 2003. I actually covered this playoff series, even though I'm way more a hoops guy than a hockey guy. I ended up doing a bunch of radio hits in Edmonton, in Calgary, I remember. I was like the so-called hockey expert here in the Twin Cities 20 years ago. The Minnesota Wild winning multiple playoff series, somehow getting to the Western Conference Finals as improbable a run as I can recall. I mean, just expectations were so low entering the postseason. They somehow upset the Colorado Avalanche, led by one of the best goalies of all time, Patrick Waugh. They win that game seven in Denver. I don't think any of us foresaw that happening. All right, number nine is also a hockey-themed, you know, just, uh, you know, trying to avoid going hockey here, Jeff, but it's going to be another hockey one. We can debate the Minnesota ties to this, but 1980, okay, the U.S. Olympic hockey team, you know, do you believe in miracles, Al Michaels, all that? Herb Brooks, the head coach, Minnesota guy, you think about that roster littered with all sorts of Minnesotans, many from the Iron Range, northern Minnesota. But to me, like, I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't have it somewhere on the list. One could argue it should be higher on the list, but because it happened – in Lake Placid, didn't necessarily happen here in Minnesota because the roster did have many non-Minnesotans. I moved it down the list. But if you want to argue it belongs higher, fine. I'm all ears. Number yeah, so eight. that's the one. That, I'll tell you this, Darren. I don't have that on my list, but it was one that I debated putting on for the exact reasons you talked about. All the Minnesota ties in the state of hockey. And I've argued, too, like, you're, you're not the you know, others, other markets can argue they're the NHL market, you know, whatever for hockey. But as far as like youth hockey and you see the ponds and you see the connections to Olympic hockey and you see the, the success of the Gophers program, the state of hockey is obviously Minnesota. And so I have no problem with that one being on the list, even though it didn't happen in Minnesota because of all the reasons you just said. I love that at number nine. Yes. Although I will, you know, suggest a little blowback with what you just said, Jeff, state of hockey is a marketing slogan. Now to me, it's come to life. But if you remember, State of Hockey came along when the Wild were awarded a franchise. What was that? 1997. In fact, I think I have that on the list. So we'll get to that. But State of Hockey wasn't a thing before the Wild came along. But everything hmm, I didn't know that. Out. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, it was. I mean, at the beginning, I mean, my guy Bill Robertson, who now is still involved in hockey, but he was a part of it back in the day with the Wild. 
it was this clever marketing slogan. But you know hmm. what? It's true. Like one can't debate Minnesota being the state of hockey with all the players that are produced. You think about all the youth programs, all the great high school teams. You think about the state high school hockey tournament, right? 19,000 people filling the XL Energy Center. So I'm not debating, you know, whether we're the state of hockey or not. Now, Michigan can probably put up a pretty good fight, but undoubtedly, like hockey reigns supreme in so many ways here in Minnesota. So with those Minnesota ties on that 1980 team, I just felt like it belonged somewhere on this top 10 list. All right, number eight. Gophers men's basketball, 1997, makes it to the Final Four. Now, Jeff, you know this. The listeners will know this. It technically doesn't exist, right? There's no recognition of it at Williams Arena, the home arena for the Gophers. In the record books, it doesn't exist because of, you know, some some cheating scandals with, with you know, some grades. And, you know, Courtney James, one of the star players on that team, he had this brilliant uh, term paper on, on the menstrual cycle. And we know he didn't write that, right? Like, they had this tutor who was doing all the writing. These kids, many of them didn't do their own work. So the year was erased. But now, as you look back at it, 26 now years later, you think about some of the things that have taken place at the University of North Carolina, some of these other big-time college programs. In the grand scheme of things, how big a deal was that when you look back in 1997? To me, there should at least be some recognition that was at the peak of my fandom. I'm 43 years old now. So in 1997, I'm 17 years old, right? I've been jaded. You do this long enough, Jeff, you get jaded, right? Well, I was a big time fan back in 1997. So I vividly remember that run to the final four, still disappointed. They couldn't find a way to beat Kentucky, maybe go on to win a national championship, but that sweet 16 game against Clemson, I'm telling you, it was an all-timer. And they were great all year. I mean, they won the Big Ten regular season title. We knew by mid-December that this team had a chance to do something special. And lo and behold, they make the run to the Final Four. All right, number seven, Gophers men's hockey. So another hockey one. God, hockey is dominating my list, Jeff. I can't believe it. But Gophers <laughs> men's hockey wins the national title in 2002. They had gone such a long time between national championships. They had come close under Doug Boog, legendary coach, but couldn't get over the hump. Don Lucia comes in, wins that first national championship in 02. They win another one in 03. But, you know, piggybacking on state of hockey, all the legendary players that have come out of the University of Minnesota, it was a long gap. I forget the exact year, but it was the late 70s, right? So they don't win a national championship in the 80s. They don't win a national championship in the 90s, 001. So we're like, okay. What's up with this drought? Well, they finally overcome that drought in 2002. So that was a big deal. I remember taking a tear gas canister off the back of my heel, partying in Dinkytown on the University <laughs> of Minnesota campus. The party was legendary, right? I mean, it was in 03 as well, but it was just, it was nuts. So I'll never forget the rioting. You know, I don't remember if any cars were overturned, anything quite crazy like that, but Put it this way, the cops had to had to shoot the tear gas into the air. So I vividly remember that Gophers Men's Hockey National Championship in 02. And number six, I put the Minnesota Lynx winning their first title in 2011 because it combined with Maya Moore. To me, if we're making a list of all-time women's basketball players, I don't know if she's one or two, but to me, she's in the conversation for top five-ish, top ten-ish. So the Lynx end up with the number one pick that year in the draft. It was an easy pick. You take Maya Moore 
Then they win the championship just a few months later. So you look at that 2011 Lynx team, which spurred a nice run. They won the championship in 13, 15, 17. That's every other year thing. But it all began there in 2011. So the combination of drafting Maya Moore, you know, having the first pick, not messing that up, bringing her in, her being so good from the jump, just the Lynx winning that championship. I get it. There's not many teams in the WNBA. It's not as hard to win a WNBA championship as some other sports. But the Lynx winning that first championship in 2011, I do believe, belongs somewhere on this list. So I have it at number six. All right, so smart minds think alike. We have already a couple in for those that are listening here on the List Podcast. We don't go over our list ahead of time together, but two of them that you have on there, actually, I think uh, three of them are, are, I think, matching up identically. But I, I'll say this. So my 10 through 1 uh, involves all things that happened with Minnesota sports that were positive. Now, the honorable mention that I want to throw out there, and I throw it out there because it happened in Minnesota I wasn't a Minnesota Vikings fan. My kid loves the Vikings now, and I've covered them for so long, so I have this admiration and hope that they do well. But back in the 1998 season, we all know how that ended with a field goal for the Atlanta Falcons and disappointment for a Vikings team that felt like they could win a Super Bowl. Now, let me tell you a quick story, Darren. My first NFL football game was that. My dad and I drove up there, and we couldn't get tickets on the street. Couldn't get tickets on the street because they were so expensive. We walked over to the ticket booth as the game is starting. And we asked if, hey, is there any way you guys got any tickets left? Did somebody turn some in? And the lady behind the counter, I'll never forget it, goes, it's your lucky day. Somebody did not purchase these or pick these up. They are row three in the end zone. Tickets to this NFC title game, you can buy them for face value. (laughs) So we get face value. Face value, row three. (laughs) Now, my my dad lives in South Carolina, so we would go to a lot of Braves games as a kid. My favorite baseball team is the Braves. So I actually went in there kind of going, hey, I'd like to see the Falcons win. But as soon as I sat in my seat and I was around all these Vikings fans, I mean, I was just cheering for the Vikings the entire game. And then the way that that unfolded and the memory that I have of that game, like for me, that's right up there when Favre threw that that pass to break the record when he was a Packer. Uh, it wasn't obviously when he was a Viking, but it happened at the Metrodome. Those moments for me like, are right up there as far as my favorite moments of watching sports in Minnesota. Now, this one obviously did not turn out how Vikings fans would want, but to have that as my first ever NFL game and everything that transpired with that and, and the history there, I put it as an honorable mention because it was, it was in Minnesota, and w- my dear God, that was history for sure. But at number 10, I have August 18th, 2009. Do you know what happened on that date, Darren? August 18th, 2009. I mean, the Twins had a really good 09 season, but I don't know if it's Twins related. Give it to me, Jeff. Brett Favre signs with the Minnesota Vikings. And okay, I think I th- right. for all the history between Green Bay and Minnesota to get that done and with the hope that he would deliver the Super Bowl, I put that at number 10, Brett Favre signing with the Minnesota Vikings. At number nine, This one actually didn't happen in Minnesota, but it happened with a Minnesota Viking, and that is Randy Moss torching the Dallas Cowboys in 1998 on Thanksgiving. For me, as far as moments in Vikings history, there's two that I will remember above all others, and this is one of them. Uh, This moment where he just went bonkers, and it was like, that's my favorite player. And I don't even like the Vikings. It, it was, it was for me personally biased, but it was his ascension onto the, the world stage that dude, I am better than anyone playing this position right now at this point in the national football league. 
and Moss uh, Thanksgiving 1998. At number eight, I agree with you. 1997 Final Four for the Minnesota Gophers. I felt like at that time there had not been a bigger story in the region for college basketball. I wasn't, you know, alive or or following basketball when Iowa had great years, uh, and and so I I just I felt like such an attachment to that. All my friends were watching it. I remember glued into the NCAA tournament that year. Bobby Jackson and and the great run he had. Clem Haskins uh, and that squad. And at the time when everything came down to you know, I'm probably 10, 11 years old. I don't really know what all that means. I just know that I watched it and it happened in front of my eyes and I'm with you. I think that they should still in some way honor that team and everything else. The academics had nothing to do with what they were doing on the basketball floor. And I've always had a hard time sort of taking away the accomplishments from that based on eligibility or whatever when it came, especially like you mentioned with everything that came after that. Number seven for me, I was in the building. I went to every single game of those playoffs. It was my freshman year of college, but the 2003-2004 Timberwolves team got to the Western Conference Finals by beating Sacramento, and I just remember the energy that's never been matched in that building when Kevin Garnett was 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 at his best and Spree and Cassell, and, and when they advanced to the West Finals after beating Sacramento in the semis, after beating the Denver Nuggets in the first round, uh, I will always remember watching those games. I went to every single playoff game. I went to so many regular season games that year. And I just fell in. I think that was the moment where I fell in love with the NBA more than any other sport. And it was because I was there and because of the passion of KG. And you just felt that whole series. Like, even though they didn't win the NBA championship that year, and I know it's never going to equate to that, but it felt like such a win for KG after all of those years of despair and not having the teammates to get him over the top. And you no, know, just having the right nucleus on the bench and Hoiberg and Madsen and all that stuff, that that moment where they moved on, and I think it's the best Timberwolves moment that they've ever had, you know, is, is beating Sacramento and going on to the West Finals. At number six, and I, I sort of lumped these all in together because I think you could just pick one, and you picked the first one for the Minnesota Lynx, but I think you could pick any of them. Uh, the championships, the four championships, 2011, 2013, 2015, 2017, sort of of that stretch being the cream of the crop when it comes to WNBA basketball. And as you mentioned, not as many teams, et cetera, et cetera, but they were, you know, the status quo and, and and they had such success with great names from women's college basketball that turned out to be great in the WNBA. And it really sparked sort of a great following there for the Minnesota Lynx in Minneapolis. And during some of those years, man, Timberwolves were so God awful that it was great to see some good basketball in Minnesota as well. So I have, at number six, uh, the championships for the WNBA. All right, five through one. Darren Wolfson joining us. KSTP score north up in the Twin Cities here on the list. Brought to you by the Man Salon and Relybank. Who do you have five through one? All right, before I get to five through one, Jeff, some follow-ups on your yeah. Yes, yes, yes. All right, so Brett Favre, you would have thought I would have remembered that because I chronicled that season on a daily basis for CBSSports.com. So I was literally in the belly of the beast in Eden Prairie Every single day, my current employer, the ABC affiliate here in the Twin Cities, literally had its helicopter in the air to follow (laughs) Brett Favre, getting off the private jet upon landing, getting in the limo, and then tracking the limo to Winter Park, the Viking practice facility. So you would have thought I would have remembered that. And it was a special season. The next season, not so much. But 09 in many ways, even though they didn't win it all, 
was a special season. Moss on Thanksgiving. Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong. Randy Moss had three touchdowns that day. He only had three catches. Isn't that crazy? Top my head. Can you Google that quickly? I, I think you are correct. Any other catches besides the three touchdowns? I'm going to Google it quickly as you continue. All right. I'm See. pretty sure, though. So that's what sticks out about that Moss game. On the Wolves in 03, Gary Trey yeah, three, three catches, three touchdowns. Yep, three catches, there three you touchdowns. Go. Okay, so Unreal. that just tells you how impactful that day was, but he only had the three catches that were Crazy. three touchdowns. All right, on the Wolves in 03, Gary Trent Sr. is somebody for a name drop. I have a good relationship with to this day. You know, covered his son, Gary Trent Jr., who's now with the Raptors. Covered his son when he was in high school here at Apple Valley in the Twin City suburbs. Anyway, Gary Trent Sr. to this day, Jeff, swears to me, doesn't mean he's right, but he swears to me if Sam Cassell doesn't get hurt, that the Wolves win the championship. That they beat the Lakers, then beat the Pistons. Pistons. Yeah, He is convinced. Remember, the Wolves had home court advantage. They were the top seed, right? He just, he thinks they would have overcome the Lakers, Kobe and Shaq, beaten the Lakers, then beaten the Pistons for the championship. Then on the Lynx, that 2013 season, if you look at it, they were as dominant as any WNBA team in history. They were the one seed all the way through. I don't remember how many playoff games they lost, maybe one or two, but like it was domination all the way through that season. So yeah, 11 started it, but you're right. If you want to group it all together, 11, 13, 15, and 17, I just remember with this now being the 10-year anniversary, in fact, I'll be working on a TV story at some point, Summertime, I want to look back at that 2013 season because that was the most special of the four championship years. All right, here is my top five. So number five is Minnesota is awarded an NHL team in 1997. So the North Stars leave, the Wild are a thing. I just remember those few years between the North Stars leaving, the NHL being awarded, you know, coming back here, Minnesota being awarded an NHL franchise. I just remember that law. And just the depression here in town. You know, I was a freshman, sophomore, junior in high school. I just remember, you know, one of my good friends back then, Mike, who's still a friend to this day, was the starting goalie on our high school team. And just how bummed out he was that the North Stars had left. But then, lo and behold, the NHL comes back to Minnesota in 1997. Number four, this might just be my bias for preferring basketball over hockey, but it's the combination of the NBA comes to Minnesota 1987, Marv Wolfenson, Harvey Ratner, they win the rights to an NBA franchise. So that came to fruition in 1987. The first year was 1989, but the news came about in 1987. A handful of years later, Glenn Taylor rescues the franchise when they were on the cusp of moving to New Orleans. So that would have been, what, 1994. Harv and Marv are all about moving the team to New Orleans while Glenn Taylor comes in and saves the day. The Wolves don't move. You know, think about it. The Wolves easily could have been in New Orleans in 1994. All right, number three is the Vikings draft, Randy Moss. So, Jeff, in 1998, (laughs) remember, 95, 96, 97, there were blackouts. So back then, if the stadium wasn't sold out, games would not be on local TV. Not every home game, but there were Vikings home games that were blacked out in the mid-1990s. The franchise was rejuvenated. Randy Moss comes in his first game, that game at the Metrodome against the Buccaneers. It took off from there. So I just remember that the Vikings were not in a good spot. 
They end up with Randy Moss. Some teams pass on Moss, regretfully so, but end up passing on Moss. He falls all the way to wherever they ended up getting him. What was it, 21? Somewhere there. I mean, it's not like he was a top-five pick. Talent-wise, he should have been a top-five pick, but he falls all the way to the Vikings. That draft, he just he brought this life, this energy to the franchise that's so badly needed. Otherwise, who knows? You know, with the blackouts and maybe not being able to get a new stadium, you know, eventually, who knows what the future of the Vikings would have been. But Randy Moss helped rescue the Vikings in so many ways in 1998. Then number two and number one are probably pretty obvious. I have the Twins winning in 91 as number two. You think about Kirby Puckett, his heroics in game six against your Atlanta Braves. Then Jack Morris, his heroics in game seven. I put the Twins winning in 1987 number one just because that was the first they only won 85 games that regular season. It's not like a lot of people thought, hey, this Twins team entering the postseason was any sort of favorite to win the World Series. It sort of came out of nowhere. And they used the Metrodome to their advantage. Like, they weren't winning road games that postseason. They just happened to have home field advantage in the World Series. Heck, if St. Louis had home field advantage, I'm convinced the Cardinals win the World Series that year, not the Twins. But the Twins took advantage of the Metrodome, being able to play well in the Metrodome. They win that first World Series, you know, uh, modern day. But, you know, they had good runs in the 60s and all that. But talking about modern day, you know, my lifetime for the most part, Jeff, and just what it did for the Twin Cities sports region uh, area and uh, how it energized so many people. That 1987 World Series title, the first major pro sports title here in Minnesota, that to me – is number one. The Twins came close. The Vikings came close, right, with their Super Bowl losses. Hey, the North Stars had some really good teams, but the Twins broke the seal. They broke all the way through, right, and they win the World Series in 1987. So it's hard for me, considering the Twins, you know, I don't know if they're clear-cut, but, you know, most days they're the number two sports team here in Minnesota, the Vikings, clear-cut number one. But the Twins, too, now, hey, today maybe it's the Wild, right, about to play a game six in the playoffs. But it can fluctuate, but there's so much Twins interest, not only in the Twin Cities, but really, you know, the whole region, right? I mean, in your neck of the woods and in South Dakota, whether it's North Dakota, whether it's Northern Iowa, whether it's, you know, Western Wisconsin, there's just, there's so much Twins interest in this five-state region that them winning in 1987, then that parade a few days later, the hundreds of thousands of people that attended that parade that one sticks out to me as number one, that Twins 1987 World Series championship. That's a great list, Darren Wilson's list of top 10 Minnesota sports moments of all time. I got five through one as well, and I'll go through them quickly. At number five, I think you could, again, I, I had a hard time picking here, but I'll throw them both out there. The 2002, 2003 years for the Minnesota Gophers hockey team. You hit on uh, earlier the reaction to that, the the riots and the burning of the mattresses and all the nonsense that was going on in Dinky Town, but it was a complete party. And, and again, it, it got them back, um, you know, to where they, they always should be. And that's near the top of the hockey world in college hockey. So I put 0, 02 or 03. You can pick either one of those championships. They go back to back at number five. At number four, I'm going to do the same thing. You can pick any of these. But when you make the Super Bowl, I think it's a big moment, even when you lose. And the Vikings making it to four different Super Bowls, and albeit losing all of them. But the fact that they got there and have not gotten back since – uh, had to be awesome during those times for the excitement level of those fans. Obviously, I wasn't around for that, but my father-in-law, who lived it, uh, grew up in Red Wing, Minnesota, 
always talks about how great those teams were, the Purple People Eaters, and you just had some great players from Tarkington on down. Uh, and, and the fact that they never won is why it's not sitting there in my top three. But the fact that they made it to the Super Bowl is an accomplishment, especially, as you mentioned, with being the number one topic du jour when it comes to sports in that state. You can pick any of those four. At number three, the Minneapolis Miracle, man. I mean, just from the pure oddity standpoint of it and the uniqueness of it, and it's a playoff game and it's the end of the game and it sends you to the NFC Championship game and how it all unfolded with Case Keenum as the quarterback and Stefan Diggs and the improbability of it, and it's against the Saints, which helped get a little redemption from what happened in 2009. But yeah, I, I put the Minneapolis Miracle purely because of odds to win that game and everything that occurred and how it had to work out perfectly. It's one of those plays that will never be recreated again. And so I put that at number three. I put your number one at number two. And I think the reason I have the 87 World Series at two and not at one is because of the stars that were a part of the 91 World Series and also maybe because of my own personal bias. I'm a huge Braves fan, as I said. And in 87, I'm only two years old. And in 91, I'm five. And Kent Herbeck made me cry when he shoved Ron Gann off first base. And when, <laughs> and when, and, and you know, so I remember that one way more. But the 87 one, when you win a championship, I think it has to be top two. I put them at number two. Shout out to my guy, Tim Laudner, who was the catcher. Of that 87 team. And then at number one, I have I have Jack Morris's game seven against John Smoltz. What an epic probably the greatest matchup ever with regards to the results of two pitchers in a in a postseason World Series game. And and you know, the, the the catch from Kirby in game six and then the home run. I mean, I still contend the hands of God lifted up that pudgy little guy to grab that ball because no way should he have the hops that he did to catch that over the plexiglass as he did against the Braves in that game and and you know as i said he made me cry as a kid herback did herback's a friend of mine now but man did i hate him when he shoved ron gann off first base and to this day he still contends the momentum took him off we all know that didn't happen uh and i digress but but i think that year and you know the fact that those guys had won in 87 some of those guys and they were stars and uh you know i watched every single game stayed up late to watch it i put that one there and again they haven't won a world series since so it's the most recent one as far as that is concerned as well. So uh, rundown real quick, uh, one through 10, uh, Jack Morris, game seven, 91 World Series, number one. Number two, the World Series win in 87. Minneapolis Miracle at number three. The Super Bowl appearances for the Vikings at four. 2 3 back-to-back championships for the Gophers hockey. All the WNBA championships at six for the, the Minnesota Lynx. Uh, T-Wolves advancing to the Western Conference Finals, beating Sacramento in that game there at, at, uh, at Target Center. 1997, Final Four for the Gophers at number eight. Moss, Thanksgiving, three catches, three touchdowns at number nine. And then Brett Favre signing with the Vikings at number 10. What's your list real quick, Darren? All right, yeah, I'll go through my list, Jeff. I guarantee some people listening will be like, Dugs, you moron, even though there's sub- subjectivity to the list, how could you not have the Minneapolis Miracle on your top 10? Jeff, to me, the way they just they let down that next week in Philly. I just can't overcome that. But you're right. Everything you laid out, that play will never happen again. So I'm probably remiss in not having the Minneapolis Miracle among my top 10. But because of what took place the next week in Philly, that's why I have it off. All right, number one, Twins win in 87. Number two, Twins win in 91. Number three, Vikings draft Randy Moss. Number four, the NBA comes here, awarded a franchise 1987. Then seven years later, doesn't move to New Orleans, 1994. Number five, Minnesota awarded an NHL team in 1997 after the North Stars dart for Dallas. 
Number six, the Lynx win that first title in 2011, the combination a few months prior, drafting Maya Moore out of UConn, then winning that first championship of four. Number seven, Gophers Hockey wins that title in 2002, so they overcome that 20-plus year drought. Doug Wu came so close to winning a title, he couldn't, but Don Lucia comes in, ends up winning in 02 and 03, but I point out the 02 championship. Number eight, Gophers Men's Hoops, Final Four run, 1997. Number nine, USA Hockey, 1980, Miracle on Ice. They win the gold medal. Remember, the Miracle on Ice was actually a semifinal game. That was not the gold medal game. They still had to win another game thereafter. But with Herb Brooks, Minnesota-based coach, so many Minnesota-based players on that roster. But it's not higher for me because there's so many non-Minnesotans that were on that roster. Number 10, the Wilds' improbable run in 2003, winning multiple playoff series making it all the way to the Western Conference Finals, eliminating Patrick Waugh, the Hall of Famer, and the Colorado Avalanche in a Game 7 in Denver. I don't think anybody foresaw that run happening in 03. I think everybody thought one and done. The Wild will maybe win one game against the Avalanche, but they'll lose that series in four games or five. They win that series in seven. They beat Vancouver in seven. Then ultimately end up losing to the Ducks in the Western Conference Finals. But none of us saw that run happening. He's Darren Wilson, KSTP Score North up in the Twin Cities. I'm Jeff Turn. This is the List Podcast brought to you by The Manslaw, themanslaw.net. Stop in and get your haircut in the 605 or throughout the Midwest. Also, franchise opportunities. Best haircut you'll find. I'll get my haircut every day, but when I do, I go to The Manslaw. Check it out, themanslaw.net for all those locations. All right, Darren, uh, top five comedies of all time, and you're going to see how childish I am. Uh, mine are not like sophisticated comedies and all. I can't, I mean, I watch them, but they can't make my top five list. I'm going to have you go uh, five through one and then I'll go five through one and we'll compare our list. Go ahead, man. Well, I mean, I'm in the same boat, Jeff. I mean, to me, my criteria is when I'm flipping through the channels late at night, if it's FX, if it's TBS, if it's TNT, what comedy makes me stop? What comedy yes. could I watch 20 times, 30 times, 40 times? It doesn't matter. I am going to stop and watch that comedy. So number five, The Hangover. Mm. Number four, Anchorman. Mm. Number three, 40-Year-Old Virgin. Oh, number yeah. Two, number two, Superbad. Ooh. Number one, Billy Madison. I love it, man. So as you're going through, I'm thinking, man, we're not going to have any of that match up. I will tell you one of those matched up, and I'll go through mine now. At number five. Tommy Boy, God rest Chris Farley's soul. What a great comedian he was. At number four, Major League. It was the first rated R movie I watched. My grandfather thought it was a baseball movie and rented it for me. And when I watched it, I was like, this is, this is amazing, man. It's amazing. At number three, at number three, man, uh, Super Troopers. And to this day when I watch it, I just, I, I can't get enough of it. It makes me laugh so hard. At number two, Happy Gilmore. And at number one, you and I are on the same page. The best comedy of all time is absolutely Billy Madison, man. It's a damn shame. It's a damn shame those Oscar guys are a bunch of snuffs, man, because they should have had that, given that dude an Oscar for that best comedy of whatever year that came out because nothing has made me laugh more over and over and over again than Billy Madison. You can see I love me some Adam Sandler, like older Adam Sandler. Like probably the last Adam Sandler movie I laughed hysterically at was Big Daddy to that point. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, back-to-back. Those are classics, man. Yeah, I mean, Adam Sandler is is brilliant, Jeff. And, yeah, I mean, 
your list. I mean, I'm not going to debate any of those. I mean, I love Tommy Boy. I love Major League. Happy Gilmore, absolutely, right? So it was hard to whittle it down to five. And, hey, I get it. Like, I'm leaving out so many good comedies from the 70s, the 80s. Sure. I understand that. But, right, like I'm 43. So you think about 20 years ago, 18 years ago, when a lot of these movies came out. Again, I talk about, you know, my peak of fandom with sports, with some of my list making for our top 10. You know, my top five, a lot of it is just, you know, that's when I was like the peak of my movie watching, my partying. Yes. A little bit looser back then, right? Life changes, married, kids, all that good stuff. Life gets harder the older you get, okay? So, like, life was just much easier back then. And so I was probably able to let loose a bit more when watching those movies. But I just, I love I agree Adam with you. Sandler. I'll watch I agree, man. Adam Sandler. If I had to add one of yours to my list, it, it would be Hangover. I mean, that that first one is just such a classic. And it just had you laughing the entire time. The Tyson part, I mean, all of it is great. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, the list that you had, if you were to take your list and my list, and, and we had 10, 10 movies or nine of them with us overlapping on Billy Madison, that'd be a good few weeks of laughter watching those movies over again. That is for sure. He's Darren Wolfson. Check him out. Uh, KSTP up there in the Twin Cities, Score North. Hey, man, hopefully you had some fun making some lists today, a little Minnesota sports, a little comedy. Thanks for hanging out on the list podcast today, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely, Jeff. Appreciate all you do. Thanks for the invite. Keep kicking some serious butt. And yeah, you made me think, so I enjoyed the challenge. All right, the List Podcast again brought to you by the Manslot and Rely Bank is another page has turned here on the list. Join us on iTunes, Spotify, subscribe, like, and review. Until next time, take care, y'all.